Good evening, everybody. We are here on session 107, the 19th of Feb, and we just thank God that it means it's 60 days since the year started. Wow. Right? 60 days. 31 plus 19. My math is okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> 60 days. 50 days. Oh, 50 days. Yeah. Oh, it's a good 50 mm-hmm. days since the year starts. I told you my math. <laughs> 50 days since we started and we just thank God. We got lots of questions and uh, these are relevant, what we call live, uh, life questions, uh, issues which people face, their doubts. And uh, for those who are listening and those who are listening and you have uh, Nepali congregation also, Tomorrow evening, I think it's at 6, uh, we have our first uh, Q&A in Nepali. It's primarily for another country. With them, I will do in Zoom, but we will also be on YouTube and Facebook for mm-hmm. the others. <laughs> pre, pre, it's, it's, it's a youth of one country, different churches who have sent the question. So we will be having uh, Q&A in Nepali too. So tomorrow evening. So this evening, before we start, we will look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. Every window of opportunity you give us to minister the word in whichever form. Minister your goodness, your kindness, your love, your mercy in prayer, in praise, in proclamation of the word, in Q&A. We just want to thank you, Father. Pray the answers will edify somebody, strengthen somebody, clear the doubt that they've been carrying in somebody. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Your word is forever settled in the heavens. Yes, Lord. Yes. Mm -hmm. When we say we worship a God who does not change, Change. the evidence we have is his word. We stand on that word. Because the God of the word never changes. Therefore, the word never changes. We have one thing, one thing available for us in this life. We can hold on with all of our strength. That Mm. is your word. And everything around us keeps changing. We thank you. We have your eternal word. So help us to be true to your word in our answers. We are weak, but you are strong. And I pray you will speak through us and help us in our weakness, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's a very uh, uh, important question. I think it's uh, related to moving from one church to another. Okay, that's uh, also uh, it's which everybody faces. We all have faced that. It's question number 13 in your list. <clears throat> Uh, dear Pastor James, I thank God for the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ that's happening from GTC Hyderabad. We are truly blessed as a family with our walk with the Lord over the years like many others. Thank God and praise God. I have a question. How to deal with the pastor and relationships of a church when you understand that they are not completely following or preaching the full gospel of Jesus Christ? Especially when focusing on only on blessings, gifts of the Holy Spirit, no repentance, etc. And you are a part of the same church for some time. Please give us advice. That's the first part. He wants to give a little background. We are from a mainline church. Our parents back in India are still uh, belong to that same mainline church. We used to listen to your messages regularly for years now. Then we started going to a Pentecostal doctrine-based independent church as the Lord opened a way for us. We took water baptism and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the same church. We served the Lord in different ways through the church wholeheartedly and the pastors and others trusted us too. 
But over the years, we understood that the church is not following complete the complete doctrine, rather uh, rather focusing only on gifts of the Holy Spirit, material blessings, and no message of repentance at all. We were in that church for seven years. Then from the heart, I started praying to God for a way out, and God gave a job for my husband in a different state uh, and a different city during 2020. We handed over every responsibility, even though they asked us to continue some of the tasks. We knew it clearly that God was moving uh, for us. God put us under a new pastor who really cares for the flocks. Pastor from the other church still thinks that we are his flock, trying to associate us with their church, and he wants us to be back. My husband says very gently, no. We used to keep a distance from everyone in the church, even though we knew everyone personally. In the current church also, whatever we are asked to do, we do it unto the Lord. We believe that our total commitment is towards the current church and to the pastor. Is this right? Please give us advice on how to handle communications from our old church pastor and friends from there according to the word of God. God bless you and everyone associated with GTC Hyderabad. <clears throat> wow. It's a very long, intricate question. But these are things, uh, first fundamentally understand that God has only one church. Okay, God has only one church, the believing church. Not that all churches are his. All churches are his. Okay, but God fundamentally has only one church. And uh, churches are at different stages of growth. Like in one church also you have people at different stages of growth. Uh, we do not judge that one church is uh, more spiritual than the other. It's not our business. But doctrine matters. Mm. But remember, doctrine matters. That's the that's the foundation on which everything else is built. If the foundation we heard last Sunday from Pastor Vijay, if the foundation is weak, ultimately when the testing comes, we will crash. So doctrine matters. So the church they mentioned uh, uh, where they are from, originally from India. And that church in Kerala is one of the evangelical churches. It, it came out of the Syrian background. Like if, if you saw the name, it was the Martoma church. Martoma church came out of the Jacobite Catholic traditions. They removed all the idols, all the Mary worship, everything. And today if you look into India and you see the first time Pentecostal pastors from Kerala, they all came from the Marthoma church. Mm. So always there is a move of God. Mm. There is a move of God. First Luther had to separate. But Luther himself was not fully separated. Please understand. Luther himself was not fully separated. So uh, Luther came from the Catholic background. So Luther held on to many Catholic practices. But the Reformation continued continued, continued, okay? And for every truth, people had to pay a price. Hmm. People had to pay a price. Luther had to pay, and those who left the Catholic Church because they controlled the world system, they had to pay a price, severe price. Many were killed. Many, many had to die for what they believed was truth. And then came the question of baptism. Hmm. So if you know about the baptism, that's how you have the baptist. They focused on that. No infant baptism. They looked into the scripture. See if uh, Reformation began with Romans one seventeen that there is uh, gospel um, um, salvation by faith alone. No, that the that creed by which Luther went and turned the world upside down, the Christian world upside down. 
The next group comes and talks about baptism. And when they talk about baptism, you realize there is no sprinkling, there is no child baptism in the Bible. You have to hear the word, you have to repent, believe, and be baptized. That is the procedure. That is the procedure. If you believe and be baptized, you shall be saved, is what Jesus says. So the Baptists split with many of those Protestant groups from that. And many were killed in their own baptismal tanks. So... Those who became Baptists in the beginning also had to pay a huge price, huge price to have the word in our hand. How many people had to die to get into our hands because it was not allowed, okay, because they took one line that um, prophecy is not for private interpretation, so people are not allowed to read or interpret on their own. They have to listen to the clergy. So please understand for every truth, people had to pay a very high price. That's the nature of truth. Because truth is God, or rather God is truth. We are saved by truth. Truth. We are set apart by it. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So every step there is a price to pay. Because people see it and they are convinced, they are convicted by the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is leading us on to all truth. So the Pentecostals came. And if you look at all the, if you look in U.S. history and all, all the first Pentecostals who had the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit were Baptists. And they were all excommunicated. They were all kicked out. Everyone was kicked out. Okay, But as you go through all of this, never forget, God has only one church of his children, one family. I would put it across simply by saying he's got one house with many rooms. Many rooms. People at different levels of growth different levels of uh, understanding and uh, but the underlying rule is that we speak the truth in love that is Ephesians chapter 4 we speak the truth in love that's why the Bible says that uh, love never fails underlying thing is love this is the love of God this is the love of God which accepts everybody in the family of God whatever their state Okay, but doctrine is fundamental because if you go wrong in doctrine, it will go wrong in everywhere else. Mm. So in this case about this uh, family, uh, they moved from one to another. That's the transition. They moved over there and they moved into this Pentecostal experience and then they realized, you know what, as they are growing in, in their doctrine, growing in their doctrine, they realize, uh, we are, we are not complete here, but they did it very nicely. This is the way Rebecca should have done when Isaac was talking about blessing Esau. Instead of confronting Isaac, she should have gone to God. There are ways of doing things which makes transition smooth, painless, as painless as possible. So they went to God, God opened them a door, and they are in another city. They are in another church, okay? But please, as a pastor, I'm telling you, as a pastor, one, we have people who have gone to other cities and this thing and all. We don't hold them. When they come back, we are very happy. When they come, they visit us, we are very happy. But we understand when they have moved to another place, people move to Bangalore, the people move to other cities, they have gone to U.S., different countries they have gone. And uh, we understand that freedom, that liberty. But one thing we tell them always is when you go, find a good church, yes. a Bible-believing church. Don't go lower. Mm. You know where we come from, not that we are very high up there, but at least, you know, at least, you know what, there is always promotion in life. Your trajectory should be up, don't now. Don't go into a church 
particular, check out churches. Ask God. He will lead you. But go to a church which can strengthen you further. Mm. You know, when people have come and asked me, honestly, I'm telling you, uh, ask me, I have this new believer. Uh, can we send it to your church? Or somebody comes. I said, don't send to my church. I would recommend, I'm not saying online here, but I said, send them to this church. Go over there. And I said, you know what? We are not being proud, but our church is a teaching church. Mm. And we preach for one and a half hours, one hour, 45 minutes. And uh, we are not a very, what we call, uh, milk church, evangelical kind of a church. Because churches have different purposes. So if you're a person who is just born again, or rather in the labor process of being born again, come to our church, he may get lost over here. Okay, so why don't you put that person over in that? Because I see the church all has, I mean, all believing churches of the Lord is the same. Mm. The Lord is the same. And uh, when a person goes from my church to another church, I don't exercise authority. I don't exercise authority. The family ties are there. Family ties are there. I mean, honestly, I look at them the way I look at my children. When my children become adults and leave home, I respect their autonomy to make their own decisions, to make their decisions, okay? But when they come home, we are still family, right? You come, you're coming to visit dad and mom, you come, you stay, but you go back. If you ask me something, I will give you advice, but I understand the autonomy which God has given, that freedom which God has given you. God has moved you into that church. Now, only thing we will tell you is be faithful there. And a time may come and God may move you out of it, move you out of it. But if your job is such like, like we have many people, we have tons of people for whom we are their church. Mm. Because they have no church to go to. Our churches in the, what we call persecuted nations, all tune into us. They all tune in to us. For them, we are the church. They have a pastor, but we are the church. Fundamentally, we give them doctrine. But they still have leadership who takes care of them. Mm. And when they have any issue, they get back to us and we tell them how to deal with it. So we are a family that way. But about um, a couple of things I want to say over there is that we used to keep a distance from everyone in that church, even though we knew everyone personally. That is something uh, you have to do it very delicately because a family is a family. Family is a family. Like in my years of ministry, well, of course I'm in ministry, but I have been in Hyderabad primarily. Then I've been in another state in India for a few years. Then I've been in another country for a few years. And I'm absolutely in touch with the church of all those places. I don't exercise authority, but that's still family. And never will cut those ties off. Because that is family. Where you were there, God was part of it. God is still part of it. And we are always in touch. Like tomorrow, we are having a Q&A. It's because they were family. And more and more people have God. But if that were not family, I would not have a ministry in those places. So I would say that uh, keep in touch with them, especially those who are close to you. you. Cannot keep in touch with everybody in the church. Like we also don't keep in touch with everybody in the family. But some members of the extended family may be closer. So you 
that ties should not be should not be cut off and uh from the old church pastor and friends uh if he's asking you for any kind of help which you which you can do uh without affecting your relationship with your current ministry with your current ministry in your church go ahead and do it i mean there's no issues like when they ask me i'll say i'll look at my time slot mm. and i say i am there and but when i go to those places i make it very clear once i was here among you as your pastor now i am not i am not this is your pastor okay this is your pastor and uh, i come to you here to edify you i come to you to impart a gift i come among you to teach okay but we are family we are family i don't i don't intervene in there unless they ask me the leadership ask me then you go have a meeting sit with them and discuss how to do that thing but again i leave it to them but our own churches it's a different thing gdc churches it's a different thing when a gdc church has a problem then if there is an issue i intervene and i say this is how it needs to be done but other churches no so that's how i would say that you know be gentle like his your husband seems to be nice gently saying no but also we don't cut away completely we don't cut away completely from uh churches okay unless they are trying to exercise like i said in the past to message uh if you read genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 27 you will see we don't dominate man <clears throat> we don't dominate where dominion is given over there it is only over the the rest let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea or the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that is where dominion was given the problem is when you start trying to dominate and control people and their lives we are moving into a very dangerous area very very dangerous area in the new covenant we are asked to dominate the powers of darkness behold i give you power over all the power of the enemy let's look 1019 you shall tremble tremble is domination absolute domination you shall tremble on serpents and scorpions there we are asked to show no mercy with the powers of darkness no mercies trample them that's where we exercise domination with people with people we exercise like let me tell you as a pastor uh i ex- exercise control within the church what is run in the church mm-hmm. in the church okay like there are different ministries of the church you have worship you have uh, let's you know typical ministries of the church so i exercise authority on those areas is because uh like the buck stops with me yes the buck stops with me buck stops with me there are certain things which you need to understand okay now i'm telling you the truth technically the only one who cannot leave the church is me i cannot leave the church 
I'm the only one who cannot leave the church because he started it with me. So I cannot leave the church. I can hand over the church when the time comes, but till then, I cannot leave the church. Every one of you have the autonomy to move. And therefore, when I say, the final accountability rests with me. Rests with me. Okay? Therefore, I exercise authority only in that way. And then the other place I exercise authority is in my home. But even in my home and the children grow up and they what become of age, I let them make their own, make their own decisions. Only thing that within that four walls of my house, I still try to exercise authority in a different way by saying, don't bring anything negative in. Within these rules, do whatever you want. Okay? So please understand that is how authority works. Authority does not dominate, but authority teaches the pros and the cons. Ultimately, there are laws established. They can work for you, or they will work against you. These are the two sides of God. Okay? Know the kindness, Romans 11, 22. Know the goodness of God, and know the severity of God. Okay? The goodness of God is because God's because you have a, you, you got that? Consider therefore the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Now if you go, the, the, the functional part of it is in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. To the son he says, your throne of God is forever and ever. And the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Okay, so the scepter of his kingdom is, understand principle, you have righteousness because there is judgment. You have judgment because there are laws. Mm. Yes. You cannot have righteousness without Without laws. laws. Exactly. So there are laws. And make you make wise judgments, you at the end result of it is righteousness. Now you make a foolish judgment, the result of it is unrighteousness. Unrighteousness will ultimately work against you. Against you. Okay, okay. There's times in history where God personally intervenes and wipes away unrighteousness because it's marring up his creation. But without him having to do that, the laws itself work against us. It will work against us. Absolutely. But the laws work for us. The laws work against us. Everything. You look at Anything in a human's life, everything is based on laws. There are laws working for it, the laws working against it. Randomly, you cannot expect a result. Mm-hmm. You cannot expect a result. In anything you do, you cannot randomly expect a result. Because the fundamental thing is this. The scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. And the whole question is, how does righteousness come? It comes because of right judgments. What do you make your judgments on? On the principles, the laws of God. The laws of God. The principles, the laws of God. And we have to understand the principles of God. So even in a church, leaving a church, moving to a church, there are fundamental principles established. But the fundamental principle is, there's only one church. In the book of Acts, it was easy because it was the same apostles who went everywhere. So Paul will be on one side. They will be reporting to Jerusalem. They have an issue over this group of Judaizers coming. So they go over to Jerusalem. This have and the Jerusalem council decides. So there is 
there is a structure that has been put into place, a structure that has been put into place, how to make decisions. And ultimately you will realize they'll listen to it all and James stands up and he makes the call and that becomes a decision. You would be surprised. Why is James making a decision? Because he is the head of the church there. He is the, not Peter. Peter is the apostle, but James is the pastor of the Jerusalem church. So final decision is made by James and everybody realizes this is from God and they take that decision. That's how it is made. So you don't have to feel guilty and, uh, but wherever you are, you need to be faithful. And uh, if you were to visit that other town where you are, go visit that church. Go visit that church. Okay, Go visit that church. Like uh, if I were to go to another town, uh, like if I were to go to Assam, I know exactly where I will go. Mm-hmm. If I were to go to Bhutan, I know exactly where I will go to go. If I go to Sikkim, I know where I will go. I know the places where I will go because there is like we had a three-day uh, revival meeting last week. On the third day, do you remember, when a whole set of people came from, from that Malakpet church yes. and we, we were all, I mean, I was happy to see them. They were happy to see them because I've gone in previous years to their church and preached. So you meet them and you realize, you know what, family. it's family. Absolutely. It is family. So we love, we love people. We love the people we know. Generally, we love all the churches. But we know, love the churches, we know. So I say, keep it that way. But you, God gives you that freedom. But be very careful that you make doctrinal decisions when you move a church. It should not be. And let God move you and let it be for growing, not for anything else. It should not be. No politics, nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Honestly, no politics. The only reason only reason, honestly, you will leave a church. There are two reasons you will leave, leave a church. One, because God is moving on to another mission field, another phase of your life. Or two, God is moving out because either the doctrine is wrong or, I mean, you don't study in class one all your life. Mm. You have to go to class two. But if the church has got an evangelistic kind of call, they cannot move to class two because the entire call is to keep bringing people in. But the pastors need to be wise and either have care cells or have sister satellite churches and send the people over there. Yeah. And so that they will grow up. Honestly, mega churches are there. Maybe it's a part of God's plan. But I personally don't believe in mega churches because I believe people really will not grow in that. You can get lost in a crowd. I believe if you have a mega church, you should pray, Lord, give me 100 pastors and split the church into 100 different congregations, hand it over to train the pastors well and hand it over to them so that everybody grows. Okay, And then I personally believe having this huge church where you have to look at a pastor with a telescope, you never meet him in your life. Many congregation members never meet their uh, these huge mega church pastors ever in their life. Where are they going to meet them? Never going to meet them. So these all are there. But remember, we have one father. Whole family on earth and in heaven is named after him. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So again, uh, this is... Uh, and please live in peace. Yeah, absolutely. The fundamental issue. I forgot somewhere in Isaiah, God says, when I move you, I will move you in peace. Live in peace. Okay, live in peace. I mean, you have to live in peace, even if the other person does not have peace. 
you have to live in peace yes pastor vijay pastor this is uh, again uh, related to kindergarten believer etc mm. this is question number 8 8 okay uh, faith connects us to two eternal invisible realities in god's god's word when we pray matthew chapter 19 verse 26 okay. with god all things are possible mark chapter 923 all things are possible to him who believes mm. what does this mean in practical terms for a new believer how new does it, how do we apply this we have many in our family who just got saved how would you explain this like to a kindergarten believer okay see this is a fundamental principle in the kingdom of god with god all things are possible and all things are possible to him or her believe okay now when it comes to the second one don't take it and run with it the first one is valid all things are possible with god mm. because he has to deal with all issues of all his children mm-hmm. <laughs> but all his children don't have all issues <laughs> all his children hallelujah are not asked to do all, all things please. only he does all things <laughs> all things okay because that's the difference which we, because mark 923 is given more like a generic formula for all his children okay and now I don't need all things. Mm. Because I'm very limited in this body and as I grow older I realize this 3 day uh revival meetings. Revival meetings because whenever you go one of the things which God has always taught me is to uh, respect the rules of that church which mm. wherever you go don't pull rank. I never do that. So you know that in my church I wear my shoes because of my issue with my feet. and have special soles inside my shoes so that my feet my legs don't hurt but three days i was on my bare feet and i still haven't recovered and the pain was going up but you know what you honor what they do you you are in another man's stuff he's put a set of rules for his church and you honor it and you don't you don't break it whichever church you are in whatever level you are in whatever you are called to do okay whatever you are called you have to realize the bible says uh if you look at in second peter and chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4 okay his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him so uh let us let us think about pastor vijay okay he's got two kids he's got a daughter abigail who's 11 and emmy is 8 yeah emmy is 8 okay going to be 9 8 and 11 let me ask you this question what emmy needs at 8 or abigail needs at 11 is she what she is going to need at 20 no no she's not okay so when god is talking about what you need at a particular point in time everything that you need in a particular point of time it is possible for that person by faith we we thought about that yes. if you turn to 1 john chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15 if i'm right 1 john 5 14 and 15 now this is the confidence that we have in him that if you ask anything according to his, his will, will he hears us mm. and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him mm. okay so the fundamental thing is that 
according to your age. If you turn meet me to Luke uh, chapter 1, 2.52, not 1, 2.52. Okay, Luke, Luke 2, 52. 2 and verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. What does that mean? Another version will use Jesus grew. Because Jesus had to grow. Okay? He, the Bible does not say he just grew in stature. And that's the problem in the world. People are growing in stature. They're not growing in wisdom. So you have little child children caught in big bodies. Okay, okay. But on the other hand, sometimes when children talk like adults, we look at them and we find it funny because they've got a big head and a small body mm. because they have knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. Mm. They have knowledge and they picked it on Google, but they don't have wisdom. They don't have wisdom. So there is an appropriate growing. You grow in wisdom, you grow in stature for your age. Okay, for your age. But remember, this is talking about maturity. And Jesus was absolutely mature at the age of 12. Okay, so if I were to use a practical uh, practical example, Pastor Vijay does not have sons, I do. Okay, so let us imagine my one of my sons is five years old and these things happen, has happened. And the, the boys get fascinated uh, when you shave. Girls are not fascinated. Boys are fascinated when you shave. They will come and watch. And they also want to shave. So what do you do? You just put a form on their face, but you don't give them the razor. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't give them the razor. What you do is that you give them the toothbrush and says, do it with the handle. He doesn't know the difference. He doesn't know the difference. But he enjoys it. Okay? So every time you are shaving, if the little fellow is awake, he is there. But the question is that you gave him according, according to his level. age, according to his level. And now at 18, when he has his fuzz on his face, do you give him the toothbrush? No, you don't give him the toothbrush. <laughs> you will give him a razor. You actually tell him, why don't you go and shave? Why don't you go and shave? So you need to realize, for we have to teach them. We have to teach them. One thing we have to teach them is both this thing. That Second Peter 4, uh, 1, 4, uh, 1, 3 is very important. He has given us everything. He has given us everything. Um, uh, 3, 3 and 4. Uh, he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. godliness. Everything. And you have to teach children faith. And you have to do it by faith. Mm. Two teach statements them, I made. Them, teach, teach them faith, and you have to, have do, it to do it by faith. Okay, because one of the things which I used to do with children is because, because you never know whatever you can do with children, you never know what other influences will come upon them when they grow up. You cannot what you call you cannot protect them all your life, and even when they are small, you don't know uh, what they are hearing. What voices they are hearing, how they are digesting it. You can do the best you can. But I am telling you, it is not going to work in the world. Ultimately, what you have to put into them, along with scriptural principles, all this, is faith. Faith in this God. Faith in this God. Okay. One of the things which I used to uh, do with my children when they were small is that whenever they came and asked me for something, 
thing may be very small and I could easily do it without blinking. But I wanted to show them a pattern. I said, okay, you want it? Okay, let's ask the big boss whether we will get it or not. I was always tell them that I am not the real boss. There is a bigger boss. He is the one through whom I receive things. And if he says no, it is a no. If he says yes, he say yes. The whole thing was basically to show them that, you know what, a day will come where your father's God should become your God. Amen. 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 Become Amen. your God. And your father is not there. You are far away and you are at a dead end. And you should be able to call upon Amen. and that God becomes. So Amen. we have to impart that faith, impart Amen. that faith. So if you look at a new believer and a new young believer has come and the believer has, uh, let's say, issues or whatever problems he's going through, first he needs to know is that his divine power has given us all, all things. things. That is the first thing. It has first been given. It has been given. Second thing uh, it is through the knowledge of him, meaning grow in the knowledge of God. Second thing he has to know is that it is being given through promises. Okay, promises. Okay, now a simple thing I explain to people is that imagine your child is five years old, four years old. Um, they are the ones who will come to hug you and kiss you when you are leaving for work. You hug them, kiss them. And the little one says, when you come, will you bring me one chocolate? Chocolate. And uh, you say, of course I will. Now my question too is that, why is the child at five o'clock expectantly waiting for the chocolate? Is because there was a promise. Mm. There was a promise. On the other hand, you say, no, today you are not getting anything because mommy said you didn't behave well at all. So don't expect any chocolate. That evening the child is expecting nothing because there's no promise to back up. There's no promise to back up. So this is the fundamental thing that you have to teach young people and young believers. You know what? Everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us, but it is backed up by promises. It's backed up by promises. So grow in the knowledge of God. Know your father, know his promises. And know promises that apply to your situation, relevant situation. If you are a child, don't worry about food. That's my problem. Don't worry about clothes. That's your problem. What do you need? You need to study. study. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go and see where do you get it from? What are the promises about knowledge and wisdom and understanding? All those things go through. And I usually, um, I recommend KJV, but I say memorize KJV and read this. Mm. Because KJV is difficult for you to understand. Memorize KJV if you want to memorize KJV, but also read a translation which you can understand at your age. Because it's not memorizing primary. Primary is that you understand what you're memorizing. So you can have both. Help the new believer to go through it all. Then you go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3. How to teach them? Because they have to be taken through this process. Yeah. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In heavenly places. Do you see that? So where has he kept it all? Everything has been given. Has been given in Christ and in the heavenly places. 
Okay, so the simple thing, where is your money in the bank? Nobody carries money around. They leave it in the bank. What they have is an ATM card or a phone app, whatever. The money is in the bank. Where is everything? It's in the heavenly places. Where in the heavenly places? In a person. So stay right with the person. Yes. Understand the will of that person. Mm. Okay, it is in a person. It is in the heavenly places. So you teach them that. It is in that person. So sin blocks. You know what the problem with sin? When sin comes, you know when you have done something wrong and you know that and mommy says when daddy comes, I am going to tell him that day when daddy rings the bell, there is no little one at the door to greet you. <laughs> And immediately know, something happened in the house today. So, mommy will show this thing and also you will pretend to be very angry and very tough and say, call you. But basically, you know, little junior has to be tackled and all. So, this is what, I mean, home is a replica. Should become a replica. Amen. How you deal with these things as they grow up. Because sin blocks. Sin hurts God and hurts you more. Hurts you more. You know why? Everything has been given. And because of sin, you are not able to access the person. The person. So why don't you put it right? The person forgives. He's a very forgiving dad. He forgives. He loves you. And you can have access again. Okay. Then the next thing you teach them is Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Okay. Verse 12. 3, uh, 6, 12. 6, 12. Yeah. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Okay? So when you don't get anything, don't fight with mommy. <laughs> don't fight with your brother or sisters. We don't fight. Okay? All good things come from above. But remember, there is a battle. There are a set of people who are stopping your blessings. Stopping your blessings. And you can teach a young new believer that you need to learn how to fight, fight. this battle. You have to buy it. There are blessings in the heavenly realms in a person. Walk on the right side of the person. Grow in that person. But there is this block. Mm -hmm. These fellows, even if it is an answer to a question, they will try to block it for 21 days. And even if it is the most righteous man in Israel, who is praying? Still has to fight. Okay, has to fight. So prayer is a battle. And prayer is an exciting battle because you're battling for things that belong to you. You're battling for things that rightfully belong to you and you're fighting to get it, fighting a thief to get it. And that way, children, young believers also understand God as their father, understand his goodness, understand how to stay on the right side, and if they fall on the wrong side, how to get back on the right side, see that everything has been given already, and then how to receive it by faith, the promises to back it up, and then how to fight for it. Hmm. And you know what? It's very simple. Then 1926 and 9.23 works. And sometimes you have to give them practical lessons also. Practical lessons also. Certain requests of your children can be answered immediately. Certain requests, they have to wait. They have to wait. Though it can be answered immediately, but you make them wait. Why? Because they have to learn on the most important virtue as they grow, which is called patience. It's patience. It's not that they cannot have it. So that is why you put it for them for another day. That is saying, you know, when your birthday comes, 
um, can I have it now? Uh, no, you have to wait. Why do you have to wait? Because I told you so. Two, you are not ready for it. You are not ready for it. And a lot of our people have received things before time. Before time. You look at our, our, our young people and all along, driving a bike with one hand, helmet in their hand, doing this thing. Why is it? They grew in stature, but they didn't grow in wisdom to up to drive that bike. They did not. They did not grow in stature to drive that bike. Stature is one thing. Wisdom is one thing. You look at them, and you know what? This young man hasn't grown to drive a bike or a car or the way they use gadgets, which are expensive. How many months does a young man use a phone these days? You know why? He's grown in stature, but he has not understood the value. value. It is not that we love things. Mm -hmm. We value the effort behind things. Mm -hmm. Because you don't buy anything. Uh, even if you get it free, somebody has paid for it. Yes. And there is a price involved in it. Price involved in it. That's one of the, these are all things where we go wrong. Mm. God as a father teaches, teaches us, us stewardship. Yes. And that's why I always tell, uh, you don't give your children when they are small too many things. You are spoiling them. They will never value anything. Never value anything. They should not be given too many. Sometimes you see children with so many toys, so many clothes, so many. You know what? You are an irresponsible parent. You are an irresponsible parent. You are not helping your child at all. You are not helping a child at all. I'm telling you, when I brought up my kids, I saw them, they had good stuff because I asked that always from the Lord. Lord, because I am serving you, my children should not feel ashamed. They should not be able to think one day that uh, father was in ministry, so we lived on second hand-me-outs. No, they always had good things and God saw to it. But I always taught them that I took them shopping with them to the supermarkets and I showed them how you buy. Just don't randomly go buy. Before you buy something, you need to ask, do I really need it? Two, there are different brands. Read it, read it. Find times when you can buy the best thing at the lowest price. You can wait. You can wait. After you've gone to a supermarket for a couple of weeks, you understand the trend, how it works, when does it come, what time it comes. You know what they are teaching them? You are teaching them stewardship. You're teaching them stewardship. You're teaching them principles because that is who God is. And you know what happens when they grow up? They are able to, because you know what happens? If you waste, see, ultimately this is a fundamental issue. You are teaching them to be a good steward that you can be a generous giver. Mm. That is the whole fundamental Amen. idea, Amen. a generous giver. Yes. But on the other hand, if you spend everything that you have on yourself, because you did not learn stewardship, you ultimately end up in the kingdom of God without becoming a giver. So all these things are there. You teach them because that's how God teaches. God teaches us all these things. So young believer, you need to understand that these things really, really work. And you have to teach them to pray. Preach them to believe and ask. And they will start experiencing miracles. Miracles will happen. But fundamental, these three things, these four things should be there. 
they have to grow in doctrine. They have to grow in relationships, which we call as fellowship. And they have to grow in judging themselves, judging themselves, and they have to grow in prayer. And when these four things happen, the Bible says God did amazing things in their midst. Mm. Faith starts operating because they are growing in the nature of God. Amazing things starts happening. And that's how you bring up. Because ultimately, the whole idea of a ministry is not to have a set of people dependent upon you, to have a set of people who are dependent up. Basically, not, not, I don't want to use the term depend. We are all entirely, all our life dependent upon God. But to be able to have a personal, what we call in English, working relationship with God. Yeah. So they all become a blessing. Hallelujah. All become a blessing. All are walking with God. All are finding their purpose. And all are fulfilling the call of God in their lives. Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another very relevant question, which is kind of a corollary to whatever we already, already spoken. This is question number seven. <clears throat> this is what it says. Abundance means that God supplies all we need and with something to spare for others as well. But God may ask us to the to empty the bank account sometimes. Yeah. How does one not how does one not question God? Is that right to ask God, Lord, why my whole account? Is that lack of faith? If it is God who has asked, we just He did it with me. I had saved for years and I emptied ten lakhs in one day. He said, Give it away, and I gave it away. And he filled it back. But what I'm saying is that sometimes God will test you. It's a test. Are you willing to obey? willing to obey. Because there are, like I told you, there are certain fears we have to overcome. And one of that is with money. Because money is the currency by which this world runs. If we can overcome that, he, he trained me right in the beginning about that. That's why when it comes to money, I have two things. One, I don't have fear. Two, I'm very careful about how I spend. And the third thing, where I invest. I'm not talking about in the market. I'm talking about scripturally where I put my money in so that I know eternally it will bring in uh, dividends for the kingdom. the kingdom. Okay, So sometimes it's a test for you. God will test you. God will test you. Okay, And if you look at, at the principle of this is, uh, is in Isaac's, Isaac's life. There is famine. His father buckled under pressure and ran to Egypt. But he's told by God not to not to go. Everybody is going to Egypt to save their crops, save their sorry seed and their cattle, flocks, everything. Isaac doesn't go. Because God tells him to stop. And then God tells him to sow in that land. Bible says he sows in that land. And that, that's a very risky venture. Because nobody sows your seed during famine, you have to keep it until the famine is over. You don't eat your seed and you don't sow your seed. That is one thing you keep. But he sowed, and the Bible says he reaped a hundredfold. That was a test for Isaac. That was not a ministry donation or anything. That is a test for Isaac. So there are times when God will test you. Test you. You know, basically, there was a test for Abraham. Take your son, your only son, and offer him. As, no, do you really trust me? Do you really believe me? Do you really fear me? Do you you obey me, Lord? Whatever you say, I will obey, really? You fear me that much that you'll obey anything? Okay, so Isaac did with seed. Abraham did with Isaac. Isaac. With Isaac. Okay, he did with Isaac. So 
those are fundamental. So in this case, uh, it is a test. But be very careful that you are actually hearing from God. It is not a feeling. It is not an emotion by somebody in the pulpit who distinct you up and all. Be very, very careful. It's not an emotional thing at all. It's between you and God. It is not between you and a man. There are, because there are lots of charlatans out over there who will tell you the Lord is telling me today five people have to empty their accounts and all. And all kind of things they will say, please, it has to be you and God. And then this person comes and says, it may be a confirmation. But otherwise, no. Otherwise, no. Be very, very careful because there's so many fakes out there. Is that lack of faith? Hmm? It's not that you don't have to question God. You can confirm it with God. Questioning God and confirming with God is something else. Because that is what Gideon did. He confirmed it with God. He he looks at himself. He looks at the situation. He can't believe that he is the one God has picked. Like, are you really sure, Lord? I am the one you have picked. I can f- defeat these Midianites. <laughs> Please, Lord. You know what? I have absolute faith in you. But I have no faith in myself. So can you just buttress my face up? Faith up, O oh Lord. So... He puts the flea. That's why we have this term, Gideon's fleece. You know, he's not questioning God. He's just confirming his faith. And God understands. He understands uh, Moses' lack of faith. Struggle when God calls him. He understands Joshua's fear. He understands Gideon's fear. He understands it. So there is a difference between questioning God and asking for confirmation. Okay? Like you have, if you look at it, Words are almost identical. The angel speaking to Zachariah mm. and the angel speaking to Mary. Mary. But uh, Zachariah is questioning, doubting God. Mary says, I don't understand how it's going to happen. She's not doubting God. I don't understand how it's going to happen. I'm not saying it cannot happen. But Zachariah, so God says, you know what? Miss Gabriel says, you know what? You don't know who is speaking to you. You know who is speaking to you, Right. <laughs> Speaking to you, okay? You will be silent until it happens. Okay, so the words may be the same. It's like all the people in the Bible who said, I am sinned and went to hell. And David says, I have sinned and goes to heaven. Okay, words may be the same, but the, the motivation behind in which. So you're not questioning God. You're just confirm. I don't want to make a goof up because this is your money. I am a steward of your money. And I go on my emotions because I heard something and empty it all. And tomorrow I find out God never told me. I am a terrible steward. Yes. I'm a terrible, terrible steward. Okay. Terrible steward of your resources. So I have heard. So confirm it is God who has spoken to you. And when he does it, you will be blessed. But Pastor, in, in, on this, on this, on this, uh, in the same line, uh, uh, how do we practice? I mean, like giving also has to be consistent, right? Uh, you, uh, there has to be a consistent giving. And then, of course, there's a time when, uh, you have to, when God will ask you to. The uh, consistent giving, I would say, is primarily with your local, the church you are with, the local yes. church. There is a consistent giving. But the other one, as you grow in your faith, is by your ear. Mm. That he, and you don't fear. I mean, honestly, when I look back into my life at that point of time, I think it was in the year 2009-10, that period, if I hadn't emptied it, we wouldn't have this worldwide church. That was the beginning of the worldwide church. It was the beginning of the worldwide church. 
it was and it just tuck 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 and i started selling my stock market options i sold it all sold it all i had in reliance i had with franklin templeton and i sold it all every of my investments everything i sold made it into money and just had to put it there into what the lord was leading it all went but then now you look back but you have to break those fears one of the biggest fear it is not that people do not have they are so afraid of provision so afraid of provision and god comes you know the promise to abraham i'm your shield in genesis 14 and verse 1 15 verse 1 yeah 15 verse 1 14 is the war mm. after these things the word of lord can we put that ac off for a minute in a vision saying do not be afraid abraham i am your shield and your exceedingly great reward comes encourages him old man is sitting over there okay two things he's afraid one you brought me here almost 10 years are up what am i doing here second i want a battle it must have been fluke okay it's like the first sermon you preach everybody appreciated when you call the second time you are petrified that was a fluke you are not very sure was that really me or god lord do you do you that's why gideon said first time no and lord second time let it be the other way around maybe that was a fluke all these things work in the mind you know okay with 318 men and a couple of other people who helped me i defeated four armies and that army is a huge army maybe that was a fluke and in the time of in the time spring kings go to war this man may come back with a bigger army and this time he won't be looking for the king of sodom he'll be looking for me <laughs> lord what will i do and then lord what's the point i left my home on this mission call i'm here nothing is happening and only elias is it and uh, he comes and says you know one thing don't be afraid second thing remember you have me i am your reward i am your reward no so we have to break fears okay fear can jesus comes he comes doors are closed because of the fear of the jews okay you can have a heart burning with the gospel but fear will cripple you that's timothy and that's the apostles okay and fear will take everything out of your mind everything out of your mind so you have to address your fear what is my fear you have to face It, your fear so what exactly is fear fear of what what is the depending upon that's what i'm saying everybody's fear is, is not the same or is it fear of loss of face what i mean is it is it a fear of life in general i mean that it, it, generally speaking it is fear of life because you connect your gain in this life that eternity has not really become real the promises of god hasn't really really become real we have to drill it into ourselves our spirit okay into our soul that is hebrews uh, sorry second corinthians 4 18 that's the key okay the things which Just are seen. seen are temporary you have to speak that to yourself every day the things that i see are temporary and i'm not going to put my money into that mm. my life into that all this is temporary the things which are not seen are eternal so faith is the substance of things not seen you can have faith 
in things not seen in the temporary also. Mm. Like all of us sitting here want a house. We want, we all want a house. Don't, don't be very fake humility and all. We all need a house. I also want a house. (laughs) We don't want to live under, because we don't want to live under a landlord. Somebody is this thing, you know, somebody is mercy. Even if it is a very good landlord, like I had on the other side, very good landlord, his son had to get married. So he comes and apologizes, say, I, you lived in my house for 10 years, you took very well care, but sir, I need my house back. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't matter how good it is. So it's a temporary need. So, okay. so, but by faith, by faith, you can believe for a house. Okay. Now if you go to 1519, second Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians 1519. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, In this life only you have yeah, to Yeah, okay, 50... First Corinthians 50, Yeah, 50, 50 Yes. Okay, 50, So God is answering my prayer because I've been telling him, Lord, you know what, I know my scripture, but I cannot remember. Please help me to remember. <laughs> Coordinates. Okay, <Coordinates. laughs> okay, okay. So, faith can look into the unseen of this life. That's one part, but it should be a small part of life. Everything pertaining to life. Divine power has given everything pertaining to this life, godliness, that life, temporal and eternity. But if you are only focused on the temporal, like many um, faith preachers do, on the temporal and attract people like bees to honey, this is what the Bible says. Yeah, go back to that one. We didn't read it. It's important. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most Pitiable. Most pitiable. Because when you grow old, then you will realize you are miserable. Because you know the truth. But you realize my life was an entire life was a waste. Because you thought uh, life consists in the abundance of things. And you used faith to get this and get that and two cars and three houses. You did all that. You end up a miserable man like Solomon. Knowing that you never fulfill God's purpose. Okay, so both balances are there. Both balances are there. You use faith for the temporal things because he's given it to you. But you use faith for the eternal Eternal things, things. ultimately eternal things. And you have to be established in it that you do not love life which you see before your eyes. Because when the point comes, you have to choose, choose between the temporal and the eternal. You go with the eternal and you're willing to die for it. For they overcame him by the blood of the lamp, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Because when the system gets harsh, harsh, very, very harsh, I'll show you that, that portion, you can go into the NIV. 11. Revelation. uh, Not Revelation, sorry, Hebrews, Hebrews. No? Being captive sometimes. Chapter 10. Exactly. Chapter 10 and verse 33, uh, 32 to 34, 34, 35, yeah, 10, Hebrews 10, 32, okay, 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you're publicly exposed to insult. All to escape was to deny Christ. The eternal. Go for the temporal. Persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
Look at verse 34. You sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions. Hallelujah. You are literally facing this in, like yesterday, today, everywhere, the truckers facing in Canada. They will lose their license. Your bank account will be frozen. You will lose your livelihood. But most of them who are standing there are believers. Yes. The pastors are standing with them against tyranny. So the countries which have basically Bible-based, liberty, freedom, everything, when they turn communistic and atheistic, they will come after the believers. At that point, would, what will you choose? What will you choose? Will you choose to buckle under pressure and say, okay, fine, we will do what you tell us to do? Okay, we'll tell us to do. Because so remember, ultimately you have to stand with God alone. Because the media is not going to support you. Yes. People are not going to come on the streets to support you because most people are either fearful or they don't care. Yeah, exactly. They don't care. They don't care. So don't expect these movements to succeed. But if you know something is true, it does not have to succeed in the temporal. You just stand by it because ultimately it will succeed in the eternal. It will succeed in the eternal because the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of us. So there are certain principles from which you do not buckle. But you have to be very careful. Like I said, don't pick all fights. Pick the right fight. And you know this is what God has called you to do. Stand. And in the process, if you die, you die. You die. But you cannot look at the temporal and say, you know what, this is the cause. The cause has to be eternal. Like David said, is there not a cause? And God backed him up, stood up. So be very, very careful about this, that you have God in the big picture, that I am doing what God wants me to do. Once you know that, then when you take your hammer and your nail and take that thesis and nail it on the door of a church, it will send ripples across the entire Christian world. It may look like one man. Behind that man is the hand of God. God. Yes, Lord, it yes. will change the whole thing. Mm -hmm. That is where you need. You need. Amen. You need. You have to be very, very careful and not pick an ideal from the world and apply it over here. You need God behind you when you do, when you do stuff. And that is where you will see through the book of Judges, God will raise up a man. And it didn't matter who that man was, but he was a man raised by God. And when he went, it did not matter how many were with him. It did not matter what was in his hand. They always won because God was behind him. That is how it works. That is how faith works. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, when you say we should not love our lives even unto the death, how do you actually apply it? practically on an everyday living because it's just not a one-day process where it suddenly comes up to you. There should be an everyday process of, of of making decisions where you say, you know what, yes, today I don't love my life than yesterday. I mean, how do we progress in that? First part? thing is with sleep. Let <laughs> us be practical and honest. Mm, yes. <laughs> okay? Practical and honest. Let us Let me put it simply so that we, because... We all like math, especially after Pastor Vijay became pastor. We all uh, enjoy math, understand, actually, I understand the value of math only after he became pastor. Other than, other than the only time I needed math was when I went shopping. <laughs> okay. Imagine you are 30 years old. Okay. And your habit is to sleep eight hours a day. 
you have slept for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, yes. You have lived only 20 years. Mm. Let's be practical. Yes. Okay. And if you can get a person, average Indian who sleeps only for 8 years, it's a miracle. Okay, so you get it? You get the principle over there? You need to understand life. So the first thing where you lose your life is lose your sleep. Amen. Regulate your sleep. Regulate your sleep. Okay, regulate your sleep. And your food next is... The next is food. But when I always tell when people are young, they should be... Believing children should be taught to fast, but they should be taught to eat well. Mm. Not overeat, eat extremely healthy, mm. extremely a lot of protein, because all the strength. Because I was caught in a particular situation, which I don't want to talk about it, where uh, at a particular stage in my life after I left my parents, so because for a, years I had to really, really grow. I wasn't fed by my, by my mother, but those years never come back. Mm. After eighteen, nineteen, you don't grow. Mm. You don't grow. Those are fundamental ears. And those ears, you should eat well, you should play well, you should invest in your body so that you would be able to tell one day a body I prepared for you. Okay? Okay, but it was not in your hands. You come back later to the Lord. Grace is there, strength is there, all there. But I'm saying understand fundamentals so that you know what? If the Lord tarries to come, Lord tarries to come. Because the Bible says Jesus grew in stature. The Bible doesn't say Jesus grew in wisdom and he was standard in stature. It does not say that. It does not say Jesus grew in stature and was standard in wisdom. No, it's very balanced. Very balanced. He grew in stature. He grew in stature. And he grew in wisdom. In both. Okay? In both. So the first thing is, because that was an aside because we came to food, but as we grow older, we have a handle on the food we eat. We have a handle on our food we eat. But let's be very, very practical. Because practical. How do I lose my life every day? Um, I'm talking to men and women. Okay, like primarily men here. You're married. You wake up in the morning. You have a family. Okay, you have a family. After you have spent your time with God, oh. because he comes first, time with God. But today, let me tell you, there are a lot of things which you can do even when you are spending time with God. Okay, spending After that core part of your spending with time with God, you can make life easy for your home. Mm. Can make life easy for your home. Now you can say, okay, even if I don't do it, she will do it. But the problem is, then you are taking up your life. Okay, taking up your life. And this is one fundamental lesson men have to learn. Mm. Men have to learn. You can do a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Okay? And uh, a lot of stuff you can do before you go for work. Before you leave a lot of stuff which you can finish. And in the process, you know what? You're putting... How do you lose your life is always putting the other first. The Bible says, God so loved the world... He gave his only son. So he's putting us first, not himself first. Nobody lives on himself. Yeah. Okay. So the way you lose your life is by putting the other first. And let us go in concentric circles. Let us not go to the end of the world and see what nation. No, start here. Begin in Jerusalem. 
begin in Jerusalem. Okay, where, what you can, how you can, how you can uh, ease life for the others in your home. Others in your home, make it ease. Okay, there's, I mean, there's so many sides to it, but uh, remaining healthy is one of those sides to it. Because if you're a, a person who is ill because you are careless, then what happens is you add more pressure on the others. More pressure on the others. So all these things, mm. everything, no? Little, little, little things make a lot of difference. Can we have a refill or I'll drink water? If it's, it's over, it's fine. It's, it's okay, fine. No problem. I'll drink water. It's okay, it's okay. I'll drink mm. was Kennedy who said, not I am a great uh, respecter of Kennedy, but ideals are there in leaders, but uh, but uh, I believe he was one of the first presidents who tried to crack down on the Illuminati and they assassinated him for that. And uh, But he said, uh, do not something, I'm not quoting him verbatim, do not think about what, do not ask what uh, you can, uh, your country can do for you what you can do for your country. Okay, that's a fundamental principle to think about the other first. Any, any place you go, any place you go, that's the first thing you need to ask, what is that I can do here? And it should, that should be you. You're not doing it for being I please her. Yes. That is who I am. I am. That who, that I am. wherever you go, wherever you go, you always, and that's Joseph, wherever he goes, he is looking, okay, and I am a slave. He owns me. Let me see how I can make him prosper. Okay. He goes to the prison. Let me see how I can make life better over here. He sees two people sitting there downcast, and he is the only innocent prisoner over there. He looks at them and says, why are you downcast? And what does it mean? He knew everybody in the prison. He could make out from their expressions what they were going through. It's a very, very sensitive person to the needs of the others. That's what God says in Psalm 78 about David. Why will I make him king? Because I saw how sensitive he is with not just sheep. the sheep, the sheep. ones who are carrying their babies. young, yes, yes. the baby. So that's why David, administration is not giving decrees and orders. It's being very sensitive to the needs of the people. And Joseph is. You have to read the, the what do you call it, the small print. Mm. The small print you have to read. You have to small this thing. And you will see that that's the reason he's made a king. Because we are looking at eternity where God will have kings. God will put and we'll have to realize how sensitive we are. See, we are all sensitive to the needs of our own. Mm. Our own. But the question isn't that. Are we sensitive to the needs of the others too? Others too. Okay. Otherwise, we will just and everybody. That's what Jesus said. Even the tax collector loves their own. Mm. What difference? The mafia boss loves his own son. He will kill somebody else if he touches his son. It's a big deal about it. That's not God's love. So we have to see how we handle it. And those things will ultimately, eternally make a difference. But the gospel is the gospel of love. That God so loved the whole world. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So again, uh, this is related to the new believers coming mm. to the Lord. This is question number nine. Mm. Uh, bearing God's heartbreaking burdens. Mm. 
the lord does and will give his people a taste of his own long suffering heart and his desire that all, all should come to know him mm. uh, as i chapter 62 verse 6 to 7 explain this to my catholic family who are now christians how can you explain it to the catholic family who are now christians yeah if you go uh, go to isc and after that go to peter second peter and right yes and verse 3 and verse 9 chapter 3 verse 9 second peter second peter after this after this okay okay go there first go there first second peter, second peter chapter 3 verse 9 verse 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promise this is his second coming has some count slackness but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance why is god delay jesus delay Uh, then the prophetic picture of two days and all is because he doesn't want anybody to a lot of people will perish but more people will get saved because he delayed hmm. okay because he delayed more people will get it. okay more people will get it let me if i mean if you have traveled in indian trains if you have traveled in indian trains okay if a train takes off from the platform 10 minutes late or 15 minutes late so do you know how many passengers get in because they came late yes it's true absolutely <laughs> see the one who came early sitting in the train is saying why doesn't train leave me <laughs> the fellow who came in late in the train is thanking god i did not miss my train miss my flight right it is true so that is the whole thing okay the whole idea is everybody who is sitting saved okay even when you say maranatha come lord jesus please also have a heart for the others who are outside okay that's what paul is saying if you leave it to me i want to go but it's better for you that i stay that i can encourage and build you a little more okay my whole question to is that people know i understand jesus second coming but why are you in a hurry to die and go there what are you going to do there okay oh i have to sit there and look down what is happening over here i mean actually you could have done something uh-huh. over here no <laughs> I'll wait there. Once you go over there, you will be like the souls under that altar who is saying, Lord, how long? God says, wait. How long, Lord? How long? God says, wait. Wait some more because the number hasn't come in. So the one thing is that God wants people to be saved. He loves. He is a good steward of his investment. He invested with the blood and the life of his own son to redeem us. So he will make use of maximum of his thing, get the maximum number in. This is it. So we have to wait. because we do not know what it takes to save a man hmm. only god knows we have to be led by the spirit like i that pastor's conference when i said about the two cases okay a samaritan woman who's been married five times divorced five times living with the sixth one why would jesus go to see her would anybody think she's going to turn a town to christ who would invest in her only god why did she marry five why did her marriage fail five times like i said the devil has 6000 years of experience of watching people he sees habits he sees attitudes and he sees some people and he knows that this one is dangerous to my kingdom even before they are saved you know this is danger these have characteristics of being danger to my kingdom so you know what attack them first what is the whole abortion industry about 
It's about killing the prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the teachers and the pastors who will not rise up and kill his kingdom, destroy his kingdom. The entire abortion industry is funded by the devil and by innocent men, ignorant, innocent and some not innocent or ignorant. They are part of his destiny. So you need to realize because every human being is a danger to him. Because he knows the call of God upon their life is to dominate him, crush him. So you have a woman who falls, 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 and she is in a situation, nobody will give her a job. And Christ comes and sets her free. The next thing you see, Samaria turns to Christ. Here is a man in Gadarenes. He lives among the tombs. He breaks the chains, cuts himself. Jesus is going to the other sides, led by the Spirit. All is led by the Spirit. And what happens over there? You have a storm to stop him from going over there, everything. And the next thing you see, he goes witnesses Christ to ten cities, Decapolis, ten cities. Okay, so you have to see that. Potential. Potential. Never write anybody off. Never look at the outward and say, this is the most resistant, this is the impossible one. Never write anything. Just pray. Just pray and trust God. Now go to Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Give him no rest till he establishes and till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the city. Jerusalem, it's talking to about Israel, but also spiritually means to the church. And this is talking about prayer, basically intercession. Now understand about intercession. Intercession, especially for souls, intercession for souls is sowing a seed in the spirit. It will follow the laws of harvest. The laws of harvest. That is why you intercede by faith. You intercede by faith. When it will come to pass, you do not know. Like we keep telling, God is a gardener, is a planter. He sowed a seed, his own son, in Jerusalem, his life in Jerusalem. For 2,000 years, he's been harvesting. To the ends of the world, he planted it in Jerusalem, a seed, by faith. Because when he planted that seed, nobody believed. Understand, when God planted that seed in Jerusalem through the life of his son, nobody believed. Why? Because on the third day, nobody went to see the resurrection. Nobody believed. If everybody, even the women, even Mary Magdalene, everyone who went, went for the body. They did not go for the resurrection. That means nobody believed. Nobody believed. Nobody believed. So God planted by seed. By faith, he planted a seed. But the harvest is still continuing. Intercession, real intercession for souls is planting by faith in the spiritual realm. You're planting a seed. You're planting a seed. Because things are happening in the spiritual realm. Everything is in the spiritual realm. And prayer has to be prayer by faith. When you are praying for somebody, you are believing. Lord, I am believing. Sometimes you do not know. Like we, we I use this illustration always. Uh, this, there are these fierce stories of the will of man. You hear about this man who had a car accident and the car is on him and there's no help anywhere. 
because uh, he will use a pen knife and he's jammed his leg or hand is jammed behind and he cannot lift. He uses a pen knife to cut his hand off and get out and call and get help. The resilience of the human will to live. Think about it using a pen knife to cut through your bone. Okay. And then with one hand tie it up and get your phone and call and he survives. Otherwise he would have just lied there and he would have died. Okay, so what I'm talking about, the you never quit on these things. You're doing it by faith. How long will it take? What will it take? Like if you take, like again, another illustration, you take a big tree and you have a pen knife, you can cut that tree down. It will take you a long time. It will come down. It will come down. If you are smart and you do it strategically, you can bring it down. So the question is, what all bondages are behind a person for his eyes to be open to see Christ? We don't no. know. We don't know. What all iniquities have been passed down? What all covenants was being made? Why is this a battle? Because you know what? Out of ignorance or knowledge, forefathers have given their children onto the other side for prosperity, for success. Or out of dedication, they may be worshipping a false god. And they go to the god and says, you know what, you give me prosperity, you make success, all my children shall serve you all the days of your life. It is valid on the other side. It has to be broken. It can be only broken by Christ. That is why this mess in the homes, Christian homes, Indian Christian homes, the Lugu Christian homes, what is the mess? You go into any place in India where the British have come, everywhere the East India Company came, the first thing they put was a lodge. And they were Freemasons. And all the Freemasons in the beginning in India were Christians. Then the Hindus and the Muslims came. You cannot be a Freemason unless you have made a covenant. And they will not even tell their wife or your children what is the covenant you have made. Why do you think the, the kids are struggling like crazy? So Christian kids are struggling. Hindu kids are struggling. Muslim kids are struggling. Why? Every one of the fathers have made a covenant. And here comes the gospel. That's where the Bible says, we preach deliverance to the captives. That's what, look at Ephesians, Luke chapter 1 and verse 4, verse 18. 418, Luke 418. The Spirit of the Lord has, 418, 418. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recurry of sight to the blind. They are not able to see. So we keep interceding. We keep interceding. We use every tool in our hand to fight the fight, the fight this battle. One day the eyes will open. Okay, Jesus walks in. In one minute the woman is free. She leaves the water pot over there. She runs. One minute, the man is free. Okay. And they all become evangelists. But if you look at these people, who'd invest in this Samaritan woman? No one. Who'd invest in this mad woman? Who'd invest in Mary Magdalene? Seven demons cast out. But she's the one who's sent out by God to declare to the world he's risen. She's, she's given the resurrection message. But God says, you know what? I don't look at the way the world looks at people. I don't look at the way the world people. So when you're looking at Isaiah 62, it is being, I will give you no rest. I will give you no rest. 
I will give you no rest. They can be saved. Whatever I can do, I will do. I will fight this day and night. I will fight this day. There is people in my household. There are people in my, my children, my brothers, my sisters, my parents, my uncles. My, whatever it is. Just go by feelings. Feeling is not a bad thing mm. at that place. Because you intercede more for people you are attached to. The other one is empathy. This is sympathy. Because you know them. Sympathy is always stronger than empathy. Empathy is more general. You feel sorry for the people in Somalia and sorry for the beggar outside your door are two different things. You know, the rich man must have sent money to Somalia and did not feed Lazarus and ended up in hell. A lot of people are empathetic, but they are not sympathetic. Okay. First has to be sympathy, the one right in your home, the people in your home who are not household. Okay, So go from there. And you know what? Give God no rest. Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then to strengthen your cry, go to the promises. Go to the promises. Go to the promises. And when you salvation-related promises are there in the Bible, then look at the person you are praying for. Is it a child? Then child-related promises are there. Go. Because, you know, give him no rest. Lord, do not keep silent. I will give him no rest until you pray. Until you answer my prayer. Because there are certain things, certain prayers you never quit praying. And one of that is salvation. You never quit praying on that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another question. This is today's uh, question. This is question number 11. Uh, what are the major ways one can judge whether or not a revelation is from the Lord? There are different kinds of revelations. Understand, God speaks to you through the word. He speaks through a word of prophecy. He gives you a vision. He gives you a dream. Okay, now, again, a revelation is about yourself from your past. You know it is true or not. Whether it is about your future. So when you, it's a, it's a, it's a, revelation is a general term. But, uh, one of the fundamental things about a revelation, if it is asking you to do something, please understand, if there are one fundamental rule is that if it is a revelation from the Lord, it is impossible for you to do it. Wow. Because mm. if he can do it, he won't tell you. Mm. He'll just tell you do it. It won't be a revelation. Okay. A revelation is from God you will know, you will need God to get this done. Otherwise, it is not possible. You go through the Bible. Everything God asks somebody to do, he or she could not have done it without God. Whether it is Noah, whether it is Abraham birthing Isaac, or Isaac reaping a harvest, or everything that Jacob did, or Joseph, or Moses, or Joshua, every case, God is in the picture. Without God, it is not. There are a lot of things we can do without literally uh, no, God getting involved. There are a lot of things. I mean, God is involved in a, generic way, in a general way. But most of the things we can do on a regular basis without getting God directly involved. But when there is a revelation, it's not possible. It's not possible. Second thing about revelation to make we have used about whenever when somebody says God has spoken, the first thing you have to realize that it has to be attested by the word of God. Mm. 
backed up by the word of God. The boundaries are set by the word of God. God will show you. You have to go back. It's not that when a revelation comes or somebody speaks to you or a dream or a vision, immediately you may not be able to find it in the word. But if you pray and ask, he will show you. It has to be ratified by the word of God. Second thing, it has to agree with the character of God. The person of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. Mm. Every revelation is a revelation of his character. Does it agree with his character? The word, the character. And the third thing, of course, is the spirit of God. It's the person, the word of God, the person of God, which is Jesus Christ, and the spirit of God. Mm. Because the spirit of God is the one who guides us. He is the one who confirms everything and does things according to the will of God. Once you get these three, and then the fourth one, which I told you at the beginning, that if it is a revelation, only God, it's to do something, only God can do it. We cannot do it. That's why we are absolutely sure about our church, because what God has done to the church, no man could have done I couldn't have done it. None of us could have done it. It's not possible. How could a church that started with 12 or 13 people on my front room reach the corners of the world? It's not possible. And we haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> haven't gone on. and he gave me I will tell you exactly the word which God told me is from the book of Acts I think it was so. Acts where he says in the uh, to lecture hall of uh, Paranus yes uh, Acts chapter 19 Acts chapter 19 Okay. Most of us. Uh, nine and ten. Okay. Somewhere hardened, did not believe, spoke evil of the way of the way. He departed from the withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Yes. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Okay, we started in two thousand eight. June, 9 June, 10 June. By 10 June, we have reached most of the countries. And he said, you will stay in this place and you will preach. You will make this website, put it up over there. By 2010 June, it started coming in from everywhere the word had reached. And he told me that. Just stay there and do that. Because whenever God says, I'll take your word to the ends of the world, we get excited, we get our passport ready and all that. He said, no, if you stay there, I will take, I won't take you around, I'll take your voice around, but I will take my word. So, you need to look at all those things we realized, no, it was not bad. Man couldn't have done. So, if man can build a church, then it is not God's. It's not Hallelujah. God's. Okay, man can build a church, it is not God. But please remember, the devil also can build a church. That's where doctrine is so important. Devil also can build a church, gather a crowd. I mean, devil gathers more crowds than any crusade. Please understand that. Music, people, football, all that. You can gather crowds with anything. It's not a big thing. And more bigger crowds gather for other religions than for Christianity. Because we only see our crusades or meetings. We don't realize the crowds that gather for Hindu meetings and Muslim meetings. So crowds can gather for anything. That's not... If you're looking only the crowd size, no, don't get fooled. Look at what is being taught there. That's why it's not just science and wonders. The doctrine matters. 
because people will gather for signs and wonders. That does not mean the doctrine is right. Ultimately, doctrine will decide your life. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we have one more question. I think before we can stop, I think we should take this. This is question number 12. Mm-hmm. Um, this is talking about, again, relationships is practical. Uh, natural human tendencies to defend or, go- or guard ourselves in an argument or when questioned. Even if you are right and the other person is misunderstood in any context of friendship or work, etc., how do we pause there and ask the guidance of the Holy Spirit for the right words and wisdom? Many a time we spill the beans in the flesh, or when tried, uh, and or when tired, and then feel guilty, guilty about the same. So, how do we do this? Okay, uh, the thing is that um, there are different parameters over there. One, is it a colleague? Is it a boss or it's an employee? Mm. It's family, it's church, it's connected with authority, it's connected with rules. All these parameters will keep changing how you respond. But primary way of responding is in this kind of settings, the Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. It's a fundamental. Because you cannot fight with somebody who speaks softly. You feel embarrassed. Soft answer turns away. Soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So it matters how we answer. How we answer. You know? How we, how we answer. Like even if you, like if it's your boss, even if you know the boss is wrong and you are right, you can always say, oh sorry sir, I did not know. I'm so sorry. And later when he finds he is wrong, he will remember he didn't try to defend himself. He didn't even defend himself. Okay. And later when he finds out that actually you knew he was wrong. And by being soft, you are actually covering up for him. He will respect you. We don't have to win arguments. We just have to be right. We don't have to win arguments. All arguments will be settled in heaven. Okay. Every one of them will be settled in heaven. We don't have to win arguments. Okay. Okay. The issue with winning an argument is that when you win an argument, both parties lose. Yeah, you lose the person. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Both yes, parties right. lose. Sure. Okay. Both parties lose. And the second is in James chapter 1, words 19. Yeah. Right? The right. anger. Yes, but yeah, got it? Beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The next verse, 20. 20. Okay, 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. God. Okay? One of the fundamental things, okay, I lose, I don't say I lose my temper. I don't want to use that term. I mean, if I... In terms of argument, the only person in my life is with my wife. I don't argue with anybody else. But then we resolve issues. We have to because it is ministry decisions and all. I don't fight with anybody. I don't argue with anybody. Not, I was a short number angry man, okay? I was like Bachanai. Not tall like him, short Bachanai was. (laughs) But one of the things which I learned, practical things which I have learned is from scripture. Uh, it's the truth about baptism. That dead dogs don't bite. 
one of the fundamental things which God taught me is that if you are re- if you are reacting, that means you didn't die in your baptism. You are offended. Offended. You are offended. And I will tell you scriptures through which it speaks to you. First Peter chapter one and verse two. Chapter two, verse twenty one. Twenty three. 21 onwards. Chapter 2, verse 21 onwards. Okay. To this, for, to this you were called. Oh, what a calling. If you understand the calling, everybody will run away from it. Oh, I have been called. Yes, you were called. <laughs> yes, for Because one. Christ also <laughs> suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin. That is not true about us. We have committed sin. No one was a deceit found in his mouth. Deceit is in <laughs> our <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Who, when he was reviled, did not, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten, but committed himself, but himself to him who judges righteously. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we... What does it mean? He didn't defend himself. Yes. He said, you, you say I am at fault. Okay, I accept. That's what it means on the, on the, on the cross. That's what it actually means. Mm. If you want to really interpret, he says, he says, okay, you all say, I am at fault. Agreed, I am on fault. I bear, I bear. You did the wrong, but you refused to accept it. I accept it. I am the one at fault and I, I accept responsibility on the cross. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, what should be, having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Now we, it is okay to use these words about healing for your body, but God says, "You know what? Do you know walk? Do you do you want to walk in healing? Healing, yes. Do you want to walk in health? This is the way. Mm. Don't defend yourself. Unless there are issues in a company or office, but you don't have to defend yourself. You will walk in health because I will be your healer. Yeah. I will be your defender." You don't have to defend yourself. In most cases, we don't have to defend yourself. How long will you defend? How long can you defend yourself? You defend with one, two others will rise. You defend three, four others will rise. All your life will be going around defending yourself. Leave it alone. There's a day that is coming. Psalm 37 talks about it. He will make the justice of your cause, cause, the righteousness of your cause, the justice of your cause to shine like the the noonday sun the brightest. Yeah, then everybody will know. You know what? And Pharaoh, like Pastor Vijay was speaking today, when Pharaoh stood up over there and said, in him is the Spirit of God, do you think Fortifar wasn't there? Of course he's there. He's the captain of the guard. He's the captain of the guard. He says, in him is the Spirit of God who speaks. Speaks. Okay. Because remember, these are all religions. These are all religious people of this world, pagan religions. And the pagan religions believe in this concept of every pagan religion believes in the concept of karma. Did you go to prison? You did something bad. Every religion believes. Okay. In one second, Potiphar knows Joseph is innocent. Otherwise, he won't become number two. He knows he's innocent. The justice of his cause. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as a noonday sun. You see, if I don't depend, defend myself before all the accusations that fly in by the day and the night, 
Aleluya. दूध में कुछ तक कुछ ना होगा नो स्मोक विदाउट फायर मे बी इन द फायर Yeah, maybe in the fire. Like, no, we don't wish anybody no harm. No harm. We don't wish anybody no harm. We don't wish anybody any harm. We don't want anybody to go to hell. Though many will go to hell, we don't wish anybody to go to hell. They make their own choice. And if you know what hell is like, I was trying to tell the revival meeting room, but I said something about hell which you don't understand. The fire never goes out. But it's not right. And there is no the worm does not die. But that is one fire where there is no light. It's crazy. It's <laughs> something which people do not. Oh, at least there will be light. I will be mitro. No mitro. <laughs> you won't see your mitro there <laughs> because there is no light. <laughs> We don't even know who's next. <laughs> you don't even know who's on your next stage. Oh, Before the lake of fire happened, there is in hell, which is a containing hold area right now. You can see everybody, but there nothing. When the final judgment takes place. and people are thrown into the lake of fire please understand this there is no light mm. it is darkness. that darkness which egypt had to experience for three days bible you have to go there and read that portion they could not even rise from their seat in malayalam it is so interesting it means that that, that could be felt you could feel substance, substance. Mm. that darkness has substance bah. we know light has substance Yes. this energy ultimately in eternity when we are spirit we will understand all that <laughs> suddenly in hell in lake of fire people will realize darkness has substance you can actually push it won't move you won't be able to move retake that portion so people understand what god is saving us from this is in uh, exodus 9 if i'm right exodus 10 10 10 words 21 23:21 That is when okay the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand toward heaven there may be darkness over the land of Egypt darkness which may even be felt so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt 3 days they did not see one another nor did anyone rise from his place for 3 days now let me ask you this question think you have to think where in their lamb, lambs in egypt yes. where in their lambs lit in egypt it didn't make any, any difference. difference the darkness covered it and not yeah. one ray would escape from the lambs they couldn't even rise they couldn't see anything they couldn't even push they couldn't even that was the darkness god is telling a picture of how it will all the plagues of is on israel are pictures given to us of what will happen in revelation and ultimately people who refuse the light god says live in darkness i sent my son i sent my servants and i gave you the light but because you love darkness you rejected light you will go to a place where there will be fire but no light 
the worms never will die and that is forever and ever so you need to understand why we need to preach the gospel without fear even if they kill us because we don't want anybody going there if we can help it lord let no one go there nobody and there is only one mediator between god and man the lord Amen. jesus christ it's only one name that's why we preach to everybody including catholics because catholics are the biggest sadly the biggest deceived mass on earth because they don't know about christ mm. they only talk about mary they only talk about mary and that deception has eaten them away absolutely eaten them away let me give you that one final this thing was i had to answer people even this week about mary okay heresy how comes okay let's think about it mary how it helps because you have to because the word of god says you know what um uh, his his magnified his word above all we are not mad with catholics and have an ex catholic so okay now look at luke 145 okay luke 145 blessed is she who believed why is she blessed because she believed because she believed she didn't believe there's a proclamation you are more than conquerors in christ jesus it's a blessing if you believe we are blessed we don't believe we are not so it begins with faith for her too she is blessed because she believed and because she believed there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the lord okay now verse 46 and 47 46 and 47 mary said my soul magnifies the lord and verse 47 and my spirit has rejoiced in god my, my savior who is the savior jesus yes mm. so she needed a savior mm. so the immaculate conception of mary is a completely false, false idea that she was without sin and all that no she needed a savior because people don't understand how iniquity passes down iniquity is passed on from the father that is why jesus father is the spirit of god iniquity is not counted from the mother So she was born in sin. She was conceived in sin. She needed a, a savior. But who will save her? A son will save her only if she believes in him. You can bear a child and not believe in that child and still be separated from that child. She has to believe in that child and you look through scripture Mary struggled with unbelief. Yes. Mary struggled with unbelief. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 19 Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart let me ask you what she pondering about for the shepherds come and speak when the angels spoke to the shepherds, go read your bible if you're a catholic listening read your bible carefully when the angels came and announced about jesus to the shepherds there is no mention of mary at all every annunciation announcement is only about jesus not about his mother and that sign was specifically given to the shepherds because only they would have understood the manger and the mystery of the swaddling clothes because they do it for the lambs that are born which are meant for sacrifice in the temple yes that is why this is a sign for them mm. and it is only announced to them and nobody else 
There's no mention of Mary at all. Okay. Then, when the wise men come in Matthew 2, okay, you see that. The entire journey was in search of Jesus. They never asked, we have come to look for Jesus and the Blessed Virgin. Nothing. It's entire journey is for Jesus. It's only about Jesus. And in come verse 12, when you come over there, verse 12, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. There's no adoration of Mary. See, I love Mary, the real Mary. Real Mary. But not what has been made into a myth and deceived millions of people. Okay? In Luke 2 and verse 27 to 34, especially verse 33. 33. Okay? Luke 2, 27 onwards, okay? Every word that is spoken, except for one word, every word, either spoken by Simeon or Anna, is directed only at Jesus. Only at Jesus. And if you come to verse 33, it's interesting. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, meaning they did not understand the prophecies that were spoken about the son that was going to be born to them. They did not understand the messianic prophecies. Otherwise, why would they be marveled? We understand. They didn't understand. Even his disciples didn't understand because he had to open their eyes so they could understand scriptures. These are all people born under the Old Testament. They are just vessels who surrender to God. God is doing things through them which they don't understand. They are willing vessels and God blesses them. But they don't understand. And they are marveled over there. Okay, And the verse 38, if you look at verse 38. Okay. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. They didn't understand. This is Anna speaking. They did not, Mary and Joseph did not understand. Look at verse 35. The only word spoken about Mary. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. My question. Why is a soul piercing through her soul? Why will a soul sword pierce her soul? This is talking about his crucifixion. Why will the sword pierce her soul? Because when your son dies on the cross, you would not understand resurrection. That's why it will pierce. You think your son is dead. You don't understand he's going to rise up on the third day. Therefore, the sword will go through your soul because you do not understand resurrection. That's why. If I know my son is going to rise up on the third day, I will not grieve. I'll be waiting at the grave. She doesn't understand. Understand scripture. When we understand scripture, we will really love a person as she really is. Mm. And don't fall into the deception of the enemy, which takes our eyes and loyalty from Jesus, who is my Savior. And the next one, if you look at it, okay, uh, at Luke 2, 48 to 50. 248 to 50. When they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? They did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They did not understand what he's talking about. Okay. And the simple thing is that they're simple. They are what we would, I would say are simple nominal believers. They're simple, nominal, good, nominal Christians. Meaning, 
this child who you know, if you knew who he was, he's not missing over there. You would got on your knees and ask, and God would immediately tell you where the child is. It's my son, he's not lost. He's at the temple. You don't have to worry about him. Go back and get him. They didn't understand anything. So go through scripture. Where's my Pastor am I delaying it? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. In John chapter 2 and verse 4. Jesus said to a woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. A total lack of understanding of his purpose. So we are seeing that that it's continuing. Again, when she's continuing. Mother, who's mother, who's Matthew 12, mm. verse 46 yes. to 50. It is repeated in three gospels. Yes. Okay. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Now, the Catholic dogma even denies he had brothers. <laughs> he had children. He, Mary and Joseph had children. Because you have, if you create a dogma out of thin air, then you have to keep a perpetually virgin. Because it's connected with immaculate conception. So you have to keep a perpetually this thing. But that's not what the Bible says. He and his brother is seeking. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. He answered and said to them, the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now listen to this very carefully. He's putting across something very, very powerfully over there. And I'm telling you it is true. If Mary and his brothers had not believed in him as their savior, they wouldn't have made it to heaven. Because scripture cannot be broken. Mm. Cannot be broken. Because I always ask this question. If Job, so not, if Noah had hired workers to build the ark, where were they when the flood came? You can build something and not get into it. You can bear a child and not actually believe in him. Salvation is by faith and faith Faith alone alone. in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Even Mary to make it to heaven, his brothers to make it to heaven, has to believe that he was born without sin. He lived without sin. He died for my sins on the cross and he rose on the third day. Otherwise you are outside the family of God. Otherwise you are outside the family of God. That what makes you the family Mm -hmm. of God. Okay. And then Luke 11, 27, 28. 11, 27, 28. And it happened, he spoke these words, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. He said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Why is he deliberate? He's not insulting his mother. Please don't misunderstand. He's not insulting his mother. He being God knew what would come later. He knew the enemy would come, infiltrate the church and raise up Mary and make her co-redemptrix that salvation is through her also, make her into something she was never was. He knew this heresy would come. So in the word, every time this came in, he warned us, don't go that route. I love my mother, but she can't save you. She can't save you. Because I have come for very specific purposes, die for your sins. And Mary can't die for my sins. Because she was born in sin. Okay, and then, let me give you it all. Okay, 
The next mention of Mary in the Bible, do you know where it is? It's at the foot of the cross. Let me tell you something. Mary Magdalene had more faith in Jesus than Mary the mother of Jesus. And the last mention of Mary is in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Indeed. This all continued with one another in accord. Okay, go to 13 and 14. So that we get the order. When they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were there. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, uh, Simon, Judas, the son of Jim. Who are mentioned first? The disciples. Not in the order. If the Catholic Church were to rewrite the Bible, they will put Mary first. Hmm. Order the disciples first who were with Jesus till the end. And then, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and, with his, his, and his brothers with the women. Look at the order. Now, we'll tell you something. This is the last time she's mentioned. Nowhere in the Bible, after that in the book of Acts, the apostles, Paul the apostle, whenever they had a doubt or anything, going to Mary for clarification. Never. Never. I will tell you something, okay? Now, this is my presumption, but it is scripture. I'll tell you something which may stun somebody, but remember, I'm telling you scripture so that you may be at liberty. Go to First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, 15, verse 3 onwards, okay? 3 onwards. Remember, this is a man who was personally tutored by Jesus, mm. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. Some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. The last of all, he was seen by me also as one by born out of due time. Let me tell you this thing. He did not reveal himself to his mother and his brothers. If he did, they were only among that 500 brethren. You know why he didn't reveal himself to his mother and his brothers? Because they didn't believe in him. It's true. Bible doesn't say. Because God is not a respecter of persons. The only thing that connects you and to me with God is faith. Do you believe in me? Do you believe everything that I have said? Do you believe in my integrity? Do you believe in me? That's all. It's faith that changes us. If you don't have faith, it doesn't matter how we are related to Jesus Christ. Maybe his own younger brother <laughs> or younger sister. But the fact is that, you know in another place, the Bible says, they came to take, and I will put it because they thought he was out of his mind. mind. Out of his mind, you take him from the crowd. They came. They didn't believe in him. These are fundamental facts we need to understand, because you know what? That's who God is. That is why the connecting link with God is faith. Do you believe? And this only Bible is very clear. There's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, there's only one name given under this thing. You have to, even if Mary has to enter into eternity with God, she has to believe. Which, so, we will say then, 
what is Mary's song? Now you need to realize Mary's song is not Mary's belief. Mm-hmm. Mary's song is a prophetic utterance which the Spirit of God is using her voice to speak. Mm. It's Mary's prophetic utterance. Like Hannah's song. Hannah's song, why should Hannah sing about that? It's got nothing to do with Hannah. It's got nothing to do with Samuel. It's a prophetic, it's a prophetic utterance. So when Miriam sings, so it's a prophetic utterance. The Spirit of Christ is speaking through her. You can have a word, a prophecy, and you are just speaking it out without even understanding it. So Mary's song is a prophetic utterance by the Spirit of God through her. That does not mean she understood what she was saying. Mm-hmm. She's acknowledging her need prophetically, but one day she will believe and she is in heaven. And let me ask you this question. If you go to Acts chapter one and verse, so Acts chapter one and verse eight, because fourteen is a, is, uh, five and eight is a response. Okay. Verse five and verse eight, uh, Acts, Acts, Acts five, one not five, one, Acts one five and one eight. Okay. But John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay? So he tells them to wait. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. So why did he tell them to go wait in Jerusalem? To receive power to become a witness. Right? So what is Mary waiting in Jerusalem for? To become a witness. Okay, all those who are waiting, 120 who are waiting, including Mary, okay, or mating. What is she waiting there for? She received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on Mary, she speaks in tongues, she also becomes a witness. Of course, she can always say, I'm a witness, that was my son, but I believe she wouldn't say that, I would believe that is my Savior. They talk to you even, about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even Paul still said, we yes. do not want to know Jesus Christ in the flesh. Let us anymore. go to Jesus' brothers. Yeah, we have two brothers mm, over there. No? Yes. What do they say? Jude is there, right? Bond servant. Bond servant yeah. of Jesus Christ. Jude yeah. one. Yeah, Jude is there. James is there. Okay. This James is his brother. Yeah, right? half yes. brother. Yes. Yeah, half brother. James one. Jude one. Yeah, James one. Okay. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. He won't even say brother of Jesus Christ. Okay, because that is Jesus' half-brother. Okay, and James also says the same thing. James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand. They won't mention it. They understand the difference. They won't, what we call, like our politicians' children, they won't pull rank. They won't pull rank. They say, you know what we understand. Just because we are, we are Jesus' half-brothers does not give us any privilege in the kingdom. Head is the other James. Head is Peter. No, other James was his brother, right? Yes, James, yeah. James, yeah. James. This James becomes the head of the church. Yes. Not because he is Jesus' brother, but he is the first pastor mm-hmm. of Jerusalem. Okay, so they are very, very clear about it. They don't pull family. They don't pull family. And, and, the, and, the, and the Fox's book of Mokbukus of Mata says that mm. Uh, uh, Jesus was t- taken to the pinnacle of the temple and shown mm. the whole world, right? Mm. James says, you know what, this is exactly, he says, take me to the temple and drop me down. Don't drop dice it for, dice for, dice for his Lord. Lord. That is Half dice. brother. Okay, but that's mm. how we have so to realize. So. Because physical relationships ultimately does matter. not ultimately, matter. Ultimately, it's a spiritual is what is eternal. You feel a physical relationship does not matter. <laughs> you will be ultimately, because God does not have brothers and sisters. He has only children. Amen. He has only children. He has no grandchildren. God has only children. You have to be born again by the Spirit. And when Mary is born again by the Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, then she understands 
who the son she bore was. And she will sit there in the early church and receive doctrine about her son. You know what Paul says? We do not want to know Jesus in the flesh. Yes. You don't want to know him in the flesh. Because if you know Jesus in the flesh, you are restricted. I want to know him in the spirit as he really is. Amen. Chale, we shall yeah, close in prayer. That was awesome. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. For all the Catholic brethren out there listening, Father, I pray the eyes would be open to the truth about who Christ really is, why he came from the time it was prophesied. You yourself spoke to Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman shall crush the head of Satan. It was all about Christ Mm. through the books of the Bible, page after page, prophet after prophet, everyone, even Mary herself, prophetically declaring, was declaring you as the Savior, nobody else. And I pray, Father, people will put away their idols, their imaginations and Mm. opinions and cling to the Son of God and to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit will give them understanding. Why? Because your Word says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He is. And is a reward of those who Diligently seek Him. We love Mary. We love her when we reach over her. We'll thank her for her faith as a young teenage girl taking such a drastic, fearless decision to become pregnant when you are unmarried. We respect her for that. She'll be always blessed. But truth is truth. Mm. Even she was saved because she believed in you. She repented of her sins, believed in you, And she was resurrected or she will be resurrected. She will receive her new body when the trumpet blows with all of us, O Lord. For you are not a respecter of persons. You said, he who does the will of God, they are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. And all we learn through it all is to do your will. So we can be counted into his eternal family, your eternal family, Lord. I speak healing. I speak peace, I speak rest into every heart, Lord. Lord, that you would be with us tonight. Tomorrow, if you tarry to come, help us all to gather in your house and glorify your name, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen.